Hello, greetings, and welcome to another episode of Being Healthy the Shaolin Way. Today, we're going to go into a little bit of uh, the effects on a family that aphasia has. And we're going to have an interview with Dr. Wallace and uh, between Dr. Wallace and Sarah and Kathleen. Now, the first question is how aphasia affects the family of the person with this disorder. What are some things a person may notice changing in their life, both immediately and long-term? Now, Dr. Wallace answers, family members face a lot of challenges after the loved one is diagnosed with aphasia. By necessity, they will likely take on many caregiver roles, which can vary depending on their loved one's abilities post-stroke or brain injury. Additionally, Caregivers take on new roles that were once shared with the person who had a stroke or brain injury. These new roles can include managing bills, grocery shopping, childcare, driving, and primary breadwinner. Finally, the family member is also grieving the loss of their loved one's communication abilities and perhaps struggling to adapt to the changes in their relationship. These are some generalities, but because everyone's experience is different, it is difficult to summarize what everyone will experience. So Kate then asks, what are some basic ways that a family member can accommodate their loved one with aphasia? Dr. Wallace answers, first, I'd like to help take the pressure off the family member. With all the changes related to role and caregiving, I think it is first okay to help the family member accept that he or she cannot do and be everything. Of course, we hope family members will eventually learn some successful communication strategies, but I think to give them permission to do this when and how makes the most sense to them. Some quick strategies that any communication partner can employ are speak at a normal rate with normal intonation. Chunk phrases, that is, take a brief pause between phrases. Use short, simple sentences. And oddly, turn off the radio or TV and eliminate other distractions. Write or gesture keywords when speaking. Encourage the person to use other modalities. Can you show me, for example? Verify and confirm messages and comprehension. Now, this may seem to be... Um, you know, short term, but in fact, aphasia can last a lifetime. So for professional or family members who are looking for more information, check out the Aphasia Institute. It's www.aphasia.ca. Now, what are some things, KS, you think are important for a loved one to do for themselves following a diagnosis of aphasia. And remember, aphasia can be a short-term disease, a gradual getting better, or you could be stuck with it for a lifetime. Dr. Wallace answers, I struggle with suggesting anything that family members should do as like I said above, I like to take the pressure off family members. I also believe that every family member needs different things at different times. A few things that I've observed that seem to be important or helpful are allow yourself time to grieve, make your health and well-being a priority, whatever 
that means to you, you've got to be healthy to take care of someone with aphasia. Find um, a support system that works for you. Support groups, other family members of stroke survivors, long-term friends. Because it's very important to have a support system to be a caregiver. Ask for help. You know, honestly, the people that try and do it all themselves are not doing themselves any favor. Now, Kay also asks, how can a support group help the families of people with aphasia? Can you explain a little what a setting like the uh, hearing clinic can offer to families in terms of support? Well, Dr. Wallace answers, family members may not know anyone else who had a stroke or has aphasia. I believe meeting other people going through similar situations can be helpful and sometimes comforting to family members. By the way, people are reluctant to say that their spouse or loved one has aphasia because they're hoping for the best. They're really hoping for the best. Additionally, we involve family members in therapy sessions in a variety of ways. First, we have one-way mirrors so family members can watch therapy sessions and learn firsthand what the client is working on in therapy. They've got clinical instructors and students provide family members with education regarding therapy goals and progress. They send out reports with updates on progress each semester so that clients and their families have easy access to their clinical information. Finally, they assign home practice for some clients and family members at least Sometimes it may assist. Now, what advice, Kay asks, what advice can you give to family members in terms of their involvement with speech-language therapy? And this is critical. The doctor answers, first, I recommend that family members avoid thinking they need to attend every single therapy session to be involved in therapy. I think it would be just as important For the person to take some time for themselves or to take care of other tasks, even if it means missing a session every now and then. Second, remember that the family member, clinician, and client form a team. An important discussion for the team is how and when home practice should occur. A decision can be made by talking as a team to determine the best way for the family member to assist with home practice or be involved in therapy sessions as appropriate. If the team agrees, one good activity I recommend would be to practice communication partner strategies during the session. As a team, you can discuss what worked and what needs to be improved. This allows a clinician to be working with a family member and person with aphasia as a unit rather than as separate individuals. Now, that was very helpful to uh, learn what the doctor in her interview said because it sets the tone for our next episode, which is the road to recovery for aphasia. So tune in next week for the road to, uh, next episode for the road to aphasia recovery. And if you'd like to learn more about the monks of the Shaolin Temple that sponsor this broadcast, go to shaolintempleus.net and uh, if you're our alternate website, 
HealthyTaiChi.com. If you'd like to donate to this program, please donate by PayPal to Rick, R-I-C-K, at FeralDMore.com. That's F-E-R-R-E-L-D-M-O-O-R-E.com. Until our next episode, I wish you namaste.